Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now's a good time to open your Bible or open the Bible app on your phone to Luke chapter 8. And if you're at home, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 8. Friends, we've been reading boat stories from the Bible And we've got one more for you for this series. This is from Luke chapter 8. It's the story of Jesus and the disciples going out in a boat together. So starting with verse 22, the story goes like this. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out and while they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're perishing. And Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? May God add his blessing to the reading and the understanding and the doing of his holy word. I sent you an email a week ago Friday, and I included in it a survey. I hope you got it. If you do not get my Friday emails, please let me know. We'd love to add your email to our distribution list. Um, But in that survey, I asked you for your input about what do we need to hear about in the coming year in terms of our preaching, that Pastor Matt and I get up here and we hopefully give you messages that are encouraging and strengthening to your faith. And so we want to know what you want to hear about. So thank you for those of you who took the time to fill out that survey. It's incredibly helpful. Uh, So for example, there's a great desire to hear about the book of James. Who knew? So we'll have a series on the book of James next year because that's what you've asked for. Uh, So I'm going to ask you now also pray for me this week because I'm going to go away for a few days this week, be back by Sunday, but uh, take a few days away for study leave. So it's work, but it's away from the office and it's time to pray and and, uh, read the scriptures and listen to what God is saying. So kind of in one hand, I've got what you have said you need to hear about. And the other hand, I've got what God is saying to us and my job and Pastor Matt's job, our job as pastors of this church is to listen to God on your behalf. And say, people of Timberlake, this is what the Lord is saying to us. So please pray for me as I go away this week. And especially because right now things are changing fast and they're changing often. And this is a challenging time to make plans, isn't it? We've got to be flexible. And uh, it seems like our plans change all the time. So I've already got one idea for a series uh, that is kind of based on the frustration and the aggravation that we're all sort of going through. And I'm thinking of, uh, I'm tentatively calling the series... Ah! So uh, look forward to that one. Uh, okay, kidding about that, but serious about praying for me. Please pray for me. Maybe put a little reminder on your phone. Pray for Pastor Brad uh, that I can hear what God is saying to us. So welcome to the last week of our series called Rerouting. Friends, we're talking about how to navigate change. How do we get through change in life? How do we get through change that's happening in the world with faith in God, with healthy relationships with each other, and and still be intact at the end of the day? We said there's really three basic ideas to getting through this. So week one, we talked about grieving. We said we need to grieve. We need to grieve the losses that are happening in our life. We need to uh, find ways to let go of the things that uh, are troubling us, and we need to move in the direction of acceptance. So we talked last week about accepting the things that we cannot change. 
Today I want to talk with you about what it looks like to trust God in the changes, to trust Jesus to be our Lord and to lead us through the changes of life. And what does it look like to have a deep kind of faith that means we would actually trust Jesus in our day-to-day lives, not just as a spiritual idea in our head, but as a real way of living that affects how we make decisions, that affects how we talk, that affects how we live, and affects how we engage one another. So uh, we are going to go to the scriptures. It's always good to go to the Bible. And so we're going to the Bible again for another boat story, Luke chapter 8. And this is how the story begins. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out. So I want you to understand this is normal. This is normal. Um, We uh, have a lot of stories in the Bible that are boat stories. And Jesus getting into the boat with his disciples was a normal thing. So this is an artist's rendering of it. Jesus is in the boat with them. But I want you to notice how many boat stories there are in the Bible. Think about that for a second. Okay, Noah's Ark. Uh, Think about the story we read about Paul and Luke sailing um, over in European waters uh, on their missionary adventure. Jesus and the disciples are always getting in the boat together. Um, What I want you to notice about this is the boat in the Bible, the boat is a metaphor. Now, what, what do you think you might imagine the boat means in the Bible? It means the church. The boat is the church, right? So what is the job of the people in the boat? Is to go sail out into the rough seas of life and rescue people who are drowning in sin, right? It's the job of the fishermen in the fishing boat to go out and fish for people, to draw more people into the kingdom of God. So our job is to be sailors. Our job is to be fishermen and women. And so in the boat, there is safety from the storm. In the boat, there is a shared work, there is shared experience and a shared mission. Um, In the boat, we have a common direction, we have a common purpose, and best of all, in the boat, we have camaraderie with Christ. This is really important. In the boat, we have camaraderie with Christ because Jesus is the captain of the ship, right? Okay. Story keeps going, and while they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. While they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. Uh, Deep theological truth, no matter what's going on, you can always take a nap, right? The story keeps going. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They were in danger. Part of faith, friends, is acknowledging when the danger is real. And, And I think this is important to note because some of the things we worry about are not things that are dangerous, right? Some of the times we worry about silly things. Sometimes we worry about little things. But sometimes the reason we're afraid is because there's actual danger. There are things around us that can hurt us or that can hurt the people we love. The coronavirus is dangerous, right? I've got friends who have died from the coronavirus. Car accidents are dangerous. Cancer surgery is dangerous. There are things in this world that can do harm to our bodies. But not just our bodies, right? There are things that can harm our souls. There are things that can harm our emotional selves. When you move to a new town, it might be dangerous because you might not fit in there. Or if you start a new job, that could be dangerous because it might not work well for you. Or, you know what, skipping worship and not participating in the community of faith can be dangerous because you might miss what God wants to say to you. 
Or how about when you keep people at arm's length? Maybe you're a kind of person who's just kind of standoffish from others. That can be dangerous because you might not have friends if you keep everyone at arm's length. So sometimes the danger is real, and we need to acknowledge that the danger is real. So when we talk about faith, you know, this is not like lollipops and cotton candy and, oh, isn't life great? Just trust Jesus. No. No, if life were like that, you wouldn't need any faith, right? If there's no danger... What do you need to trust Jesus for? So we need to acknowledge, you know what, the danger is real. And so faith is hard. Faith is hard because the danger is real. Which means, friends, here's the point. Faith doesn't minimize danger. It maximizes trust. Faith doesn't minimize the danger. We don't have any power usually over the danger. We can't change the coronavirus. The disciples couldn't stop the storm. But we can maximize the trust. We can maximize the trust, and we can trust Jesus. And I want you to notice in the story the honesty that Jesus has about the danger that they're facing. When the disciples come to him and say, Master, we're about to die, he doesn't say, oh, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. He doesn't try to minimize the severity of the situation, does he? Jesus is honest with them about what is going on. And so... Uh, We appreciate that kind of honesty. We appreciate that kind of honesty because it calls for a deeper kind of faith. Friends, if there's no risk, then you don't need any trust. And uh, if you can save yourself, then you don't need a savior, right? So uh, in real life, when the millionaire says to you, I'll give away $10 for this charitable cause, we're not really impressed with the millionaire who gives away $10, are we? Because that doesn't take any faith at all. That doesn't take any trust. Any human can do that. Any human millionaire can easily give away $10 with no help from the Lord. But when the person who makes $100 a week says, I'll give away 10 of that every week for something to bless someone else, now we're impressed because, oh, wow, that's a big deal, 10%. You're going to give away 10% of what you have to bless someone else. That takes faith. That takes trust. That takes a way of depending on the Lord. And so what I want you to see is danger creates the opportunity to do that. Danger creates the opportunity for trust. Uh, Taking risks is how the gospel allows us to exercise our faith. Friends, a boat does not do any good when it's sitting in the harbor, right? Boats are made for sailing. Boats are made for being out on the open water. In fact, have you ever tried to steer a boat that's sitting still? What happens if you're in a boat and you turn the wheel, but the boat is sitting still? What happens? Nothing, right? You don't go anywhere. Nothing happens. The boat certainly doesn't turn. You need to be underway in order to have steering in a boat. You need to have direction. You need to have purpose. And our life in Christ works the same way. It works the same way. We need direction and purpose in order to go the way that God is calling us to go. Friends, uh, this is the way of faith in the world. So yes, the, the coronavirus is scary, but let's not pretend that the coronavirus is the only thing that can kill us, right? There's a lot of other things out there that are a risk to us. Life is a calculated risk. Every time you get in the car, isn't it possible that you would get an accident? Yeah, yeah. So we need to acknowledge that there is risk in the world. There's risk to our lives. You know, one of the things I like to do 
and when I take a break from sermon writing here and when I'm meeting or I'm working at my office at the church, I like to walk across the street and get some delicious Blue Ridge barbecue. And it is so good. But do you realize there are cars that drive up and down Timberlake Road? And some of them go very fast. And it's possible, it's not likely, but it's possible that one day Pastor Brad's walking across the street, do 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 do, and here comes the bread truck, boom, and no more Pastor Brad. Now I said that at the other service, and they laughed and they giggled a little bit. That hurt my feelings terribly. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but that's possible, right? Now, I don't, I'm not foolish. I don't walk out there with my eyes closed. Well, I hope it goes good, right? No, I'm not foolish. It's a calculated risk, but it's a risk. Friends, life involves risk. It is possible that we would get hurt. It is possible that we would get sick. It is possible something bad will happen to someone we love. And so we can hunker down and hide And we can try to avoid every danger all the time. Or we can say, you know what? God wants me to live my life. And I need to do the things that God has called me to do. And it means I'm going to trust Jesus to be able to do it. Verse 24. They went to him and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're perishing. They were afraid. They were afraid, friends. And and we we can understand. uh, If you've ever been in a boat in a storm, it's scary. It's a scary place to be. Uh, and yet God doesn't want us to live in fear. So you know, here's, what, here's what the disciples got exactly right. In the midst of the crisis, where did they go first? They went to Jesus first. They went to Jesus first. I don't know about you, but I have this tendency to like, try all my options before I go to the Lord. Or I'll like, ask someone else for help or ask my wife, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, Lord, you know, I didn't want to bother you about this. What if it's not a bother to the Lord? What if it's actually a blessing to the Lord? What if God is pleased when we go to God first and ask for help before we try to you know, use our own resources? I mean, think about how you feel when your kids or your grandkids come to you and say, would you help me? Aren't you blessed by that? I mean, isn't that a good thing? You say, wow, I'm so thankful that my kids trust me. I'm so thankful my grandkids would come to me and ask for my help. What a blessing it is to be able to be in their life in that way. So... Friends, it's a blessing to your heavenly Father when you come to him and say, Lord, please help me. Lord, help me. Now, notice what they call Jesus. Not once, but twice. They call him Master. Okay, this is not accidental. This is in a theological claim that Luke is making in the telling of the story. He's pointing out. He's saying, look at who Jesus is. Look at who Jesus is to the disciples. They call him Master. What does that mean? Master means Lord. It means he's the boss. It means he's in charge. It means he's the king. So let's, let's spend a moment to unpack that. What does it mean if Jesus is the Lord? Well, it means three things, friends, mainly. Number one, it means Jesus is the king of the universe. Okay? Jesus made the world. It, it, the world was made through him, through the word of God, Jesus Christ, in which the whole world is made. And Jesus is the Lord over it. So we use a word like cosmos to mean Jesus is the Lord of everything. Okay. Secondly, Jesus is the Lord of the church. We say that we are the body of Christ, right? We are his hands and feet. That's what we say in our mission. And who is the head of the body? Jesus, right? Which means I'm not in charge. And it means you're not in charge. It means Jesus is in charge of this church. And it means it doesn't really matter that much at the end of the day what I want. And it doesn't really matter what you want. It only matters what Jesus wants. 
because Jesus is the Lord of this church. Okay, so he's the Lord of the cosmos. He's the Lord of this church. Now, here's where it starts to get personal. Jesus can be the Lord of your life. Jesus can be in charge of your life. But here's the difference. You see, Jesus is Lord of the cosmos whether you like it or not. (laughs) And Jesus is the Lord of this church whether we like it or not. But Jesus will not be the Lord of your life unless you let him. You've got to invite Jesus in. You've got to let him come into your life and be in charge. You see, because it's real easy for us to be in charge, isn't it? Like, we're great at that. We're great at saying, I'll call the shots. Thank you very much. But Jesus says, no, if you will let me in. And this is how he says in Revelation chapter 3. He says, listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and he waits for us to open it so that he can come in. Another way to put it is, you know, Jesus is a gentleman, right? Look at how Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He knocks. He does not bust down the door. He waits for you to open it. Now, I love this iconography. Uh, These are artist renderings, right? What do you notice about the door? There's no handle on Jesus' side. Okay, there is a door handle. It's on your side. So Jesus knocks. And he waits for you to open it. And you are the one who is given the agency. You're the one who's given the power to choose to open the door or not. So the question is, friends, will you let Jesus be the Lord of your life? Will you let him come in and eat with you and you with him, and we let him be in charge of your life? Will you let him call the shots and tell you how it's going to go and tell you what he wants from you instead of the other way around? Remember, he's the Lord of all creation. But the question is today, will you let him be the Lord of your life? Now, here's a good reason to let him be the Lord of your life is because he has all the power in the world. Look at verse 24, the second part. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, They ceased, and there was a calm. With a word, Jesus spoke it, and the storm stopped. Can you imagine having that much power? (laughs) It's like, all right, enough. In, in, uh, In another gospel, Jesus says, peace be still. Peace be still. And it was still. Then Jesus said to them, verse 25, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Now, sometimes that sounds harsh to us, right? Because we're like, oh, it was scary, right? So, but Jesus isn't condemning them. He's not putting them down. He's, he's correcting them. He's kind of bringing them back to remember the relationship that they have said that they want to have with him. Because who is the object of their faith? He's saying, it's me, dudes. It's me. I'm here with you. The one in the boat. Hello. It's me. Where's your faith? Don't you trust me? Please trust me. I love you so much. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. And if something bad does happen to you, I'll be with you. So it won't be the final thing because Jesus promises to be with us all the time. And so Jesus is saying to us today, friends, this is kind of a challenging word, but I want you to hear the love that Jesus has for you as he says it. He says, stop relying on your own power. Quit it. Can we, can we stop this charade of self-reliance where we go through life pretending like we've got it all together 
And when I see my, peop- my friends out on the street, I smile, and I'm going to pretend. I've got to show a brave face. But really, you know, on the inside, I'm struggling or at home. Things are not great. And Jesus said, just stop pretending. Stop pretending like you have your life all figured out and you're in control. And instead, trust me. Jesus says, I'm better at this than you. (laughs) I know more than you. I'm stronger than you. And you know what? I love you. So every resource I have, Jesus says, I'm going to bring it to bear on your life for good. But see, God has given us us this ability to, to block Jesus out. And we could argue all day long, is that a blessing or a curse? But that's not the subject of the sermon. <laughs> this sermon is about whether you'll stop blocking Jesus out and let him come in. Let him come in and be the Lord of your life. The second part of verse 25 says, They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. This is a hugely important question, and I need you to wrestle with it. This is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. Who is Jesus, and who is he to you? Who is Jesus, and who is he to you? Friends at home, I'm talking to you too. Who is Jesus, and who is he to you? If Jesus is only a good teacher, then he does not have the power to save you. And if he is only a moral example, then you don't have to obey him. But if he is the Lord, then he has the power to save you, and you must obey him. And yes, by the way, he's also a good teacher, and yes, also he's a good moral example. But he's not only those things. Jesus is the Lord, and I'm asking you with everything I have as your pastor to let him be the Lord of your life. Let him be a charge of your life. Some of you will recognize the name John Wesley. John Wesley was a priest in the Church of England in the 1700s, and he was the founder of the Wesleyan movement and later of the Methodist Church. And in 1735, he sailed from his home in England over here to America, to this newly forming country, and his goal was to evangelize the Native Americans. He wanted to bring the gospel of Christ to uh, Americans who were here first, native peoples in this land. And uh, this was his project. This was his missionary effort. And so he's on a boat ride from England to America, and there's two groups of people on the boat with him. There are the English, okay? And then there are some German folks who are Moravians. That's their faith. They're Christian Moravians. And you might not have heard of Moravians, but trust me, they're a real thing. They really do exist. And uh, John Wesley had never met Moravians before in this way. But one of the things he noticed is they had church kind of wherever they were. They didn't have to go to a, a building to have worship. Go figure. They were on the boat having church, right, on the way from England to America. So they were singing songs, and they were reading the Psalms, and they were praying, and they were having preaching and, and all kinds of church stuff together. And one day, while they're having church, a huge storm comes and threatens the lives of everybody on that ship. And Wesley was so moved by it, he wrote this down in his journal. And here we have his words, which I think is pretty cool, 270 years later. Uh, he said this, The sea broke over, split the mainsail in pieces, and covered the ship as water poured in between the decks. Can you imagine being below decks and water starts to come into the boat between the boards where it's not supposed to be coming in? 
how intimidating that would be, how scary that would be. This is what he said. It was as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. In other words, they're all terrified. And he said, a terrible screaming began among the English. Okay, so all the English people are freaking out. Ah, this is it. This is it. But he noticed the Moravians, they kept singing. They kept on with their their church service, and Wesley could not believe it. So after the storm finally subsided, and they all lived through it, he took one of the Moravian guys aside, and he was like, bro, weren't you guys afraid? And the guy says, no. No, we weren't afraid. And Wesley says, well, but the women and the children, you know, in your group, weren't they afraid? And the guy says, "Uh, no, our, our women and children are not afraid to die. Are you kidding me, friends? Can you imagine that kind of faith? Oh, yeah, no, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because Jesus is bigger than the storm. Because I trust in Jesus that much that nothing is going to steal that away from me. Today, Jesus is inviting you to get into the boat with him. Jesus is inviting you, friends, to get in the boat and to go to the other side of the lake. And and when the story says, you know, they went to go to the other side, imagine, you know, they're going, yes, literally to the other side of the lake, but Jesus is going to take you to the other side of whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now, whatever change is on your horizon. And maybe it's through some project at work, or maybe it's through some difficult relationship you're working through right now. Maybe it's just to get all of us through this election. Can I get an amen? Okay, Jesus is going to take us to the other side. But notice, it's the boat that gets them there, right? It's the boat that gets the disciples to the other side of whatever it is. And Jesus says, okay, come on, get in the boat. And we protest a little bit, right? We say, but Jesus, there's storms. Jesus, you know, the waves are too high. I'm kind of scared. I don't really want to get in the boat. Jesus, it's scary. There might be something unpredictable. What if the, the wind picks up? What if it rains? I don't want to get wet. And Jesus says, you know, come on in. Yes, there is risk. Yes, there is danger. But Jesus says, you know, get in the boat. That's where, that's where you want to be. And so we're challenged to get out of our comfortable places and to go where Jesus wants us to go. So, friends, what will you choose? What will you choose today? you got two choices. You can stay on the shore, and you can play it safe, and you can wrap yourself in bubble wrap and try to stay away from every danger all the time. And you can live your comfortable and boring life on the shore. Or, or you can get in the boat and not know exactly what's going to happen next, but have an incredible adventure going God knows where and follow Jesus wherever he wants you to go and live a life of meaning and purpose and direction. So what's it going to be? You're going to stay on the shore or are you going to get in the boat? Oh, one more thing. Before you decide, remember, Jesus is in the boat. <laughs>